Live around the globe, it's time for Rudy Max's World on the SSI Radio Network. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bear, man. I breathe the mountain air, man. Travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. Get on the phone now and call 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. Or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. And now, the savvy traveler himself, Rudy Maxa. Uh, welcome aboard. I am Rudy Maxa, your genial host for the next two hours. And today, it's a very special show, a very special travel show, because I want you to come along with me in your imagination your mind to French Polynesia. Now, I just returned from shooting two of my public television travel shows there, and while those shows won't be on the air until uh, late fall, I did conduct a series of interviews with people I found fascinating just for this radio show and just for you. So right after this week's travel news, I'm going to talk with a fascinating uh, anthropologist and historian who has spent decades studying Polynesia and its people. He's actually from New Zealand. You won't believe what happened to those islands, whose names we know as Tahiti, Bora Bora, Marea, and others. You won't believe what happened to them when British and French sailors found those islands and came ashore. You notice I use the word found as opposed to discovered, since the native Polynesians were there from 300 AD on. Uh, So uh, Western Europeans didn't actually discover them. They found them. Uh, Then, while a number of cruise ships pull into the harbors of French Polynesia, there's only one that actually specializes in sailing around those far-flung islands all the time. It's called the Paul Gauguin, and I was a guest on the ship for three days. We're going to talk with an American actor from L.A. named Michael Shapiro. He's the social director of the ship, and we'll find out how much his job resembles uh, the social director of that uh, long-running television series, uh, Love Boat. Plus, if you like to snorkel or scuba dive, an American naturalist uh, is going to describe for us the rich waters of French Polynesia. It'll make you want to get on the next plane and go there. So stay tuned uh, this hour and next for a trip to the topics, <laughs> topics, to the tropics, sorry. But first, let's take a quick look at the travel news this week. Well, it's not in the water, but it's certainly in the air. For inexplicable reasons, three separate incidents of commercial airline passengers going nuts on planes occurred this week. Last Sunday, American Airlines flight attendants and passengers wrestled down a Yemeni native who was screaming and pounding on the cockpit door of a Boeing 737. It was about 40 minutes before it was scheduled to land in San Francisco when the brouhaha broke out. No one ever did quite understand what the, uh, what the guy wanted. He was arrested, of course, when the plane landed. And that same day, a Continental flight was diverted to St. Louis after a passenger tried to open a cabin door. Well, a cabin door leading outside. Uh, once again, flight attendants and passengers subdued him. Again, no motive could be determined. And on Thursday night, a passenger on a flight from Orlando to Boston tried to open an emergency exit door on a Delta Airlines flight. Two people trying to get out of the plane when it's 30,000 feet in the air. Uh, that guy had been drinking, said passengers. Well, that's his excuse. Uh, and he seemed to be upset that the flight was running late. Maybe he thought if he jumped out of the plane, he'd get to his destination faster. Um, You should know, don't worry, don't worry, there is no way anyone inside a plane can open one of those emergency exits or any other cabin door when an airplane is in flight and pressurized. It just is physically impossible. So if you see somebody lunging through across the uh, emergency aisle to throw open the door, uh, it's not going to work. Don't worry. Um... On another topic involving flying, there has been a sharp increase in errors reported by air traffic controllers. The number of incidents between last year and 2007 rose 82%. Now, the FAA says the number increased because of efforts to improve reporting. Under the new rules, controllers who admit their own mistakes have immunity from punishment, so they have an incentive to 
perhaps improve the system by admitting errors. I certainly hope that accounts for those increased numbers. Well, the entire nation is watched now for two weeks as the swollen Mississippi River spreads flooding and devastation southward with absolute certainty. I mean, they're predicting every, you know, by the hour almost, what time uh, flood levels will be reached in various uh, cities and regions uh, down the southern Mississippi. Last week, we spoke, we spoke with Chris Davis. He's a reporter with the Memphis Flyer. He writes about tourism and disasters. Hey, Chris, welcome back to the show. Hi, glad to, glad to be back. Now, I understand that uh, the big national barbecue competition this weekend in Memphis is actually still on, correct? It is ongoing. It's uh, uh, affectionately known as the Super Bowl of Swine, and I'm not exactly sure what kind of disaster would have to happen here in order for that to be canceled. Now, what they have done is it's been moved from Tom Lee Park, which is uh, just right on the Mississippi River downtown, right off of Riverside Drive, which has been flooded, to the Midtown area, to the old Mid-South Fairgrounds in an area called uh, Tiger Lane, which was uh, created essentially for mass tailgating. Um, And of, I think there are 247 teams in competition, maybe only three have uh, canceled as a result of the circumstances here. All right. So, so yes, the air smells like barbecue all over the city of Memphis. Well, has the water actually begun receding yet in Memphis? It it has, but you know, it's a case where it was it was slow to rise and it's slow to recede. So, you know, everything that was flooded is still for the most part still flooded and you know, the 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 waters aren't going to really drop down uh to any reasonable level for, you know, it's going to be close to a month before we're seeing anything like a return to normal. Wow. Uh, yeah. All right, so the worst has passed Memphis this week, but uh, because this is a travel show, tell us a little about what's happening with the casinos below Memphis. Well, you know, it's it's sort of interesting. I was, I was telling you a little bit about that last week, and there's definitely going to be uh, an economic impact in that area. The um, the casinos down there, very much as was the case during uh, Katrina, the casinos are being very good to their employees and helping out as much as they can. And so the the casino employees are continuing; they're being paid, but they're guessing there's probably going to be close to a ninety million dollar revenue loss in uh, Tunica uh, during the period of time where the casinos are closed. Now the these casinos they float, don't they? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say there's this interesting sort of legal quirk. And uh, the casinos are built on these barges in lagoons that are off the river. And I I assume this is a sort of Bible Belt law. We don't have gambling in Mississippi. It's a maritime thing. Right. uh, (laughs) So so it's this legal quirk that's turned out to be a real saving grace, because as the floodwaters have risen, so have the boats. So you may see pictures of these uh, uh, floating casinos, and the gangplanks may be going up instead of down. But the water, there's, you know, there's no water on the floor in the casinos. Now, that's not the case for some of the hotels and restaurants and shops and the things that are around in that area. They're getting some you know, pretty significant water on the first floors. But as far as damage to the casinos, it looks like that's going to be relatively minimal as a result of this legal work that they are built on barges. Interesting. Hey, we're going to check in with you again, Chris. Thank you for dropping by for a second week in a row. Happy to do it. Thank you so much, Rudy. Chris Davis is a staff reporter with the Memphis Flyer. Now stick around. We're going to begin our journey to French Polynesia. It's a French territory. It's a series of islands spread widely around the South Pacific. Uh, France uh, defends the place, and uh, uh, there are about 300,000 residents on those islands. The capital is Papaete on the island of Tahiti, which is where you'd fly into 
if you took the nonstop eight-hour flight from Los Angeles to Papaete. Residents like to tell Americans they're only one movie away from Hawaii, only one movie further. Uh, the native Polynesians are the largest ethnic group, about 78% of the population. 12% of the residents are Chinese. Local French make up 6%, and so-called metropolitan French, those who move there from France, are about 4% of the population. 54% of Polynesians are Protestants, 30% are Roman Catholic. French and Polynesian are the official languages. Uh, this is one of those rare places where you can have a bowl of fresh tuna tartare and step next door and grab a chocolate croissant and cafe au lait as well. The population is 98% literate, and coming up, we'll learn from a historian who lives in French Polynesia how this mashup of civilizations has happened. To participate in the program and speak with Rudy Maxa, call 800-387-8025 or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. Attention savvy travelers, Rudy Maxa here. If you're like me, you can't afford to take chances when you travel. You need medical evacuation service that's dependable and won't cost you a fortune in hidden fees. You need MedJet Assist. As a member, if you're hospitalized over 150 miles from home, MedJet will arrange medical transfer to the hospital of your choice free of charge. Believe me, you won't find protection like this from any other company, which is why I'm a member. It's time to travel smarter. Visit TakeTripsNotChances.com and sign up today. MedJet Assist. Take trips, not chances. Here's another question from the Geico Savings Mailbag. Jason from Buffalo writes, I have a habit of hitting snooze and not being able to get up again. Any suggestions? You know, if you get Geico to help with your renter's insurance, it's quite easy, really. You'll know you're protecting your stuff for as little as 12 bucks a month, which I suspect will make you sleep much sounder. Then you'll just pop out of bed rested, ready to start your day. What he's saying is, a renter's policy is basically insurance for your snooze button. Plus most everything else you own. Visit Geico.com to see how affordable renter's insurance can be. If you've never experienced Jellin with Dr. Scholl's massaging gel insoles, you've never walked all the way to work on top of cushy throw pillows, or worked a jackhammer while standing in a field of beautiful daisies. That's because Jellin does more than change the way you feel. It changes your state of mind. So I can teach my class while enjoying the soft white sand under my feet. Experience all-day outrageous comfort for yourself with Dr. Scholl's massaging gel insoles. Are you Jellin? I'm glad I have feet. AutoZone. Make your engine last longer with help from AutoZone. Get in the zone. AutoZone. If you want to get the most miles out of your engine, then change your oil on time every time. Do it now and save at AutoZone. Get a 5-plus quart oil change jug of Castrol GTX conventional motor oil and a Bosch oil filter for only $18.99. And when you're finished, just bring us your used oil and we'll recycle it free of charge. Get to AutoZone today and get more miles out of your engine. Get in the zone. AutoZone. To join Rudy Maxa, call 800-387-8025. You can email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. Now back to Rudy Maxa's World. 18 after the hour, this portion of Rudy Maxa's World is brought to you by our friends at Colette Vacations. Join the radio show and me for a 12-day France Magnifique tour beginning on September 29th. It's sure to be a fun trip with great adventure, culture, great food and wine. Book now and you'll save $700 per couple because round-trip companion airfare is just $399. Learn more today by calling 800-762-5345. That's 800-762-5345 or go to rudymaxa.com and click on Colette Vacations. Down to French Polynesia, I'm talking to historian and anthropologist Mark Eddowes, and I asked him what effect the arrival of Europeans had on the Polynesian people way back well, when. Well, I guess there were two 
main effects of that early contact, the first was uh, massive depopulation through introduced diseases. Uh, Polynesian populations had no developed immune systems, particularly to the pathologies from the West. So as soon as they were exposed to that, they succumbed easily to disease. So there was a massive reduction in the population, probably over three quarters of a percent over a hundred year period. So you know, three quarters of the Polynesian island population decimated by by cholera, syphilis, the common cold. Yeah. Probably. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, the numbers are to, 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 to be debated, but if you look at a projected maybe population of the Marquesan Islands at 200,000 European contact, by the end of the 19th century, it had certainly gone down to no more than about 10,000 people. So that's a massive loss. And the French and the English arrived late in the 18th century, the 1770s, 1780s. Yeah, that's, that's the most important period of contact is essentially from the 1780s on. Then the second most important aspect of that contact was the way that access to European metal tools revolutionized the technology of the people, their ability to produce more, fish more fish out of the ocean with iron hooks, which is not the case with pearl shell hooks that break very easily. Iron axes that give you the possibility to cut more trees down, work wood a lot, a lot easier. Uh, and of course, firearms, which in the warfare societies, the, the warrior societies that were common here 200 years ago, completely changed the whole profile of practicing warfare against enemy tribes. And muskets eventually became the most important uh, attributes of a warrior uh, by the mid 19th century. You know, so. But, well, when you first started uh, this paragraph by saying that, you know, they had. They, got, they had nails, they turned into fishing hooks that were certainly more reliable than the shells they were working before. So that sounded like good news. Mm -hmm. uh, but then you sort of got into other things that had to have changed society. Um, what, what, what did they, how did they regard these strange things, guns, gunpowder, uh, uh, that could kill at a distance? Well, in the beginning, they perceived them as being something kind of <clears throat> from the sacred world. So they uh, were fearful of them. They thought the person that had that object obviously had power over uh, thunder and lightning, that it was some kind of uh, divine weapon given by the gods. And in the early contact period, whether in the society islands amongst Tahitians or with the Marquesans, when people first got those things and just fired them into a crowd, for example, you didn't really need to hit anybody. <laughs> they were so terrified of divine retribution that they would sue for peace. So in the early period, it was based on a lack of comprehension of the reality of the thing. But then afterwards, people realized that it was just a weapon, a banal kind of mechanism. And uh, they uh, vied with one another to get as many as possible to practice. I mean, in the end, it was a way of just liquidating tribes, moving them off their land, completely getting rid of the enemy through massacre. You know, warfare became very, very murderous and with a much greater number of deaths than in the traditional warfare system where you simply through hand-to-hand -hand combat wounded the man or made him lose face in an encounter. You didn't physically need to, com to, to, to kill him. And certainly you didn't need to kill lots of people in the traditional warfare tradition. Well, I know from having heard your lectures here aboard the ship that that being a warrior was a very important part of this culture uh, before the Brits and the French came. But by the same token, it was a very organized culture. It wasn't one that found favor in Europe, what with some cannibalism and human offerings and, and so on. But it, it was a coherent, 
family, tribal-oriented working culture. And that all changed with the introduction of Western civilization because about 30 or 40 years, well, 20 or 30 years after the explorers came, came the missionaries, mm. and they had a different idea about how to organize things, didn't they? Yeah, well, the missionaries were the major bringers of cultural change. When the early explorers came down here, and even to a degree the whalers later on, you're still looking at cultures that are in some way uh, adding to Polynesian society. It's on the Polynesian terms that they're borrowing, integrating Western materials and cultural norms, I guess. It's on their terms. And no matter what is positive or negative in that, <clears throat> in that you've still got a traditional society functioning. The missionaries came with a completely different agenda, which was to utterly obliterate, if possible, all aspects of traditional society. Because as you pointed out, there were things that were incompatible with any Christian society, which was an emphasis on predatory warfare as a normative behavior, human sacrifices, and especially anthropophagy, cannibalism. <clears throat> and I forgot to mention polygamy. And polygamy, and particularly in the Marquesas, even worse, more scandalous, was polyandry, because that was a unique... Which meant the women were taking multiple, multiple lovers. That's right, multiple husbands and lovers, because it was a kind of erotic addition to the state of <laughs> Marquesan females, you know. And this didn't play well with the missionaries. They didn't agree with that at all. It was an incredible example of the empowerment of women. Women were dynamic political leaders, socially very important in the whole balance of Marquesan society. They were the people that uh, were behind the setting up of feasts, the organization of feasts, the sending out of messengers to invite guests. You know, women were very much a political animal 200 years ago and respected as such in, Mar in the Marquesas for that. High chiefesses. And uh, they also inherited their own lands, their own titles. They chose their husbands, and they chose these pekio, which in Marquesan is a secondary husband, which, of course, scandalized uh, the French missionaries in particular here. How did... Uh, all right, let's... We've got to flash forward to, to the society today. Um, their population was decimated. I know from hearing your lecture today that in a way the missionaries in sort of cleaning up the act and, 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 uh, and, and teaching people about disease, which of course had been introduced by Westerners, mm -hmm. um, may, have, may have saved that civilization so that there are still people on the Marquesas who are, uh, whose ancestors lived there long ago. Yeah, I think uh, two things came together. First, there's an inevitable resistance in any given population after epidemics have come through. The survivors would carry on um, you know, uh, recessive traits that enable them to survive. I don't know the right term, but, you know, the survivors will pass on the antibodies or whatever to make their kids resistant to that uh, disease. Intermarriage also gave them genetically uh, a resistance to disease, because if you're having kids with an American or with a French or with a Greek or whatever, you're obviously going to pass on those, uh, that aspect of the resistance to disease. So um, so they still survive. Let me ask you a quick, because we only have a minute left. How does a visitor to uh, French Polynesia, uh, let's say they can't come on the Paul Gauguin and hear uh, lectures from you or, or, or guided visits from you on land, how do they access this sense of local culture? I think the best thing to do is in any given situation go to an outer island. Go to an island that's off the beaten track, that's maybe not the primary tourist destination. So in the Society Islands, something like Taha, 
huahine, hang out with locals, you'll meet them inevitably, and you'll see that there's many aspects of their culture that have survived in the cohesion of the family, the interrelationships, the activities undertaken together as a collectivity, the adoption of children uh, by women collectively, all these aspects, fishing, technology, agriculture, it's very, very little change. Give me one book to read before coming here. One book to read, I guess I would choose Peter Bellwood, The Polynesians, which is a great introduction uh, to Polynesian cultures, Hawaiian, Tahitian, Maori, Marquesan, etc. And at the end of each chapter, Peter gives a good bibliography pertaining to each of those cultures, and you can follow it up on your own terms. Terrific. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. Mark Edo is, is a historian. He's a uh, has a master's in anthropology, or at least he studied for it. I know that. But for decades now, he left his home uh, country of New Zealand and has been living in French Polynesia, studying uh, archaeological digs, studying the society. Uh, he lectures often aboard the Paul Gauguin, which is where I conducted that interview in the waters of French Polynesia. He's a fascinating storyteller, fascinating storyteller. And the culture of Polynesia, as it existed before British and French uh, uh, ships arrived and, and found those islands, uh, is is really eye-opening to those of us growing up in a Western culture. Mark Edowes, he spells his name E-D-D-O-W-E-S, if you'd like to look him up. Uh, he's a great storyteller, as you could tell. Stick around. When we come back, we're going to talk to the cruise director of the Paul Gauguin, see what uh, kind of life that might be. Rudy Max's world is coming right back, so get on the phone now at 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. You can also enjoy the program anytime at rudymaxa.com. Here's a terrific excursion that can't be missed. And if you book your reservations now, you'll save $700 per couple. Join the radio show and me for a fun vacation that includes adventure, culture, European romance, great food and wine. The 12-Day France Magnifique Tour begins September 29th. We'll explore Paris, Nice, Avignon, Normandy, the French Riviera, Monaco, and more. Call Colette Vacations at 800-762-5345. That's 800-762-5345. Or go to rudymaxa.com. Companion airfare is just $399. Here's another question from the Geico Savings Mailbag. Neil from Richmond writes, If you're traveling at the speed of light and you turn your headlights on, what happens? Well, Neil, let me answer your question with a question. If you're traveling at the speed of Geico.com, which is quite close to the speed of light, and you pay your bill online, what happens? You could save time. Lots of time. So there you have it, Neil. Keep those headlights on and that policy updated. For a free rate quote, visit GEICO.com to see how much you could save. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. To participate in the program, call now at 800-387-8025 or log on to RudyMaxa.com. Here's Rudy Maxa. As I mentioned, while I was in French Polynesia, I spent three days sailing aboard the cruise ship, the Paul Gauguin, a lovely cruise ship that sails through there. And I met a guy named Michael Shapiro. He sort of ran things on that ship, and so I sat down with him and I asked him, how do you go from becoming an from being an actor in Los Angeles to becoming social director? Well, I had worked a number of years in New York City as an actor, and when I couldn't get work in New York, I would take cruise ship job as an entertainer. And I'd work around the world, working on different cruise ships for the summer or the winter just to get out of town. And then I wound up being on the sister ship of the Pogo again at the time called the Song of Flower. And during being there on and off for a year, they kept on calling me back. 
I became assistant tour manager and then social host. Moved home, moved to LA. My first day in LA, they called me and said, do you want to be cruise director in Tahiti? And I thought, Tahiti, wait tables, Tahiti, wait tables. <laughs> and I chose Tahiti and I said I would do it for four months. That was it. And 12 years later, here I am. Well, now, what did you think about that? You know, because of, I guess, primarily uh, Love Boat, the, the job of cruise director has this sort of, I don't know, how would you put it? Uh, this image of somebody who's just incredibly superficial and always happy and trying to get people to, you know, sing along with them or something. Yeah, I actually had a hard time with the image of cruise director when I became a cruise director. And I've actually gone out of my way to try to dispel all those uh, feelings or rumors of kind of cheesy... My biggest fear was always being a 50-year-old cruise director with a pot belly singing Valari with a velveteen bow tie. You know, I never wanted to be that image of that kind of phony baloney kind of person. So I try really hard to stay authentic with people, to really listen to people. I love people. You have to have a real passion for people and their stories and really be a good listener. Also, I love mentoring my staff. I've really loved working. On the Poco again, I have eight Tahitian girls called Lego Gin. And for me, one of the most honorable and best parts of the job for me, the rewarding part for me, is mentoring these lovely Tahitian women and helping them become full women from their culture, understanding their culture, but also helping them become vibrant adults. Well, do you, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you also orchestrate the talent, the evening entertainment, and so on? I mean, you, you're an administrator as much. You aren't just a greeter. Oh, no, no. I have a, I put in a very full work day. Most of my morning is taking care of a dozens and dozens of emails. I oversee the entire entertainment product. I'm also an entertainer on board myself. Everyone on my ship, this is a small ship, so uh, the piano player does his own solo act, plus being the piano player in the lounges. I do two cabaret shows and a talk show. My Tahitian staff has two shows. Uh, we usually bring on a guest artist for a longer cruise, but I'm administering and making sure all the activities, everything that happens during a guest day, I take care of and schedule and execute. What is a talk show on a ship? I actually... Uh, had a few extra slots available, so I've actually created a kind of a Tonight Show kind of Jay Leno kind of David Letterman situation where I interview either guests or the captain or guest artists. I sing a few songs, do a few. I don't do jokes per se, but I show uh, my hosting reel, and uh, I just kind of entertain the audience with um, improvisation of a talk show, and, and how, it works. How many times do you do this on a cruise? I do this once a cruise on a long cruise the 11 and 12, 14 day cruises. And this is in the evening? Yes, all our shows tend to be around 9.30 at night. Mm -hmm. And we also have a crew show that's 10 o'clock at night where all the crew perform for the, the guests towards the end of the cruise. What, when you get together with other cruise directors or people in the industry, what, what's the story you tell about when it all really went wrong? Um, <laughs> well, it all really went wrong. Uh, there's not like an academy of cruise directors, but luckily with Facebook and email now, we all get to exchange weird stories and things like that. Uh, you know, working with the Polynesian staff, there's a lot of very unusual things that happen uh, culturally. But I would say the weirdest one for me is one of my staff members came in one day to me in embarkation day and said, Michael, during my break, I need to go get exercised. I have a man living in my stomach. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> I said oh, uh, okay, what do you do about a man living in your stomach? Well, um, my friend has father is a witch doctor and he will take care of it for me. I went, okay, uh, you can have a break, of course. She came back and said, man in the stomach, gone, no problem. Uh, Wednesday night, about five days later, the girls call me in frantically at midnight and say, the man is back, he's living in the stomach. So 
I go down and she says, Michael, the man is living in my stomach, wants to come out. And I'm like, okay, this is not on the cruise director handbook anymore. We are beyond what I do. I called Mark Eddowes, who's our um, anthropologist on board. He said, oh, don't worry about it, Michael. It's a second spirit. Everyone has a second spirit. I went, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I called my head uh, who oversees the entire Tahitian staff. She said, oh, Michael, don't worry. It's a second spirit. So I went back to her and said, it's your second spirit. She said, the second spirit wants to come out and talk to you. It was very, very, (laughs) very weird. So that next day I made sure she got home and uh, got to uh, her witch doctor. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have a proper term here, but I don't know what it is, unfortunately. And then I said, please go to an uh, a Western doctor also to be checked out. So she had her exorcism, and he said she was fine. She went to the Western doctor, and he told her he she had an advanced tapeworm. Oh, my goodness. So she did have a thing living in her stomach. So right. culturally, they called it a man living in the stomach. We happened to call it a tapeworm. But either way, it worked out. Unbelievable. Now, when are you writing the book? <laughs> People tell me that all the time. Well, the memoirs, well, of course. I have a lot of weird stories like this, and... Uh, I'm not quite sure if it would be of interest to anyone, but uh, they are good for dinner conversation while I entertain the guests at night. Well, when you do write the book, you got to come back on the show and talk to me. Oh, I'd be happy to. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Michael. Sure. Michael Shapiro is the cruise director aboard the Paul Gauguin, a terrific guy. Uh, we'll be come back in just a moment. We're going to talk to a naturalist on sea life in French Polynesia. Going to make you want to put on that wetsuit. Call now to talk to Rudy Maxa at 800-387-8025. You can also email the show anytime at info at rudymaxa.com. Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Can you find anything on the Internet? Well, I'm sure you can, but don't take my word for it. Just ask this talking dog who can only say I love you. Roll the clip. One more time, talking dog. For a free rate quote, visit Geico.com to see how much you could save. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. AutoZone. Make your engine last longer with help from AutoZone. Get in the zone. AutoZone. If you want to get the most miles out of your engine, then change your oil on time every time. Do it now and save at AutoZone. Get a 5-plus quart oil change jug of Castrol GTX conventional motor oil and a Bosch oil filter for only $18.99. And when you're finished, just bring us your used oil and we'll recycle it free of charge. Get to AutoZone today and get more miles out of your engine. Get in the zone. AutoZone. As a small business owner, everyone keeps telling me that I need to communicate with my customers more often, but who has the time or the budget to launch a new marketing effort? I'm working hard enough just doing what I know how to do. At iContact.com, we understand the challenges and pressures facing millions of small business owners. But if you're not using email marketing, you risk losing existing customers and prospects. iContact email marketing lets you easily communicate with your customers, find new prospects, and start accelerating your business growth. And now, our small business email marketing solution is absolutely free. Not a free trial, just free. How many other companies will help you grow your business for absolutely free? Visit iContact.com today. That's the letter I, contact.com, and start using email marketing that gets results. No more excuses. Visit iContact.com. That's the letter I, contact.com, and start growing your business today. 
iContact.com, email marketing for everyone. I'm Jim Cook, brewer and founder of Sam Adams. There's a rhythm to the season, so at Sam Adams, we develop styles of beer to accompany that. We brew Samuel Adams Oktoberfest, Winter Lager, Noble Pills, and right now, there's Summer Ale. Samuel Adams Summer Ale is a flavorful wheat beer. It has a nice spice note and a little lemon zest. It's brewed with a historic brewing spice called Grains of Paradise. But just like summer, Summer Ale won't be around for long. Boston Beer Company, Boston Mass. Save responsibly. If you've never experienced Jellin with Dr. Scholl's Massaging Gel Insoles. You've never walked all the way to work on top of cushy throw pillows. Or worked a jackhammer while standing in a field of beautiful daisies. That's because Jellin does more than change the way you feel it changes your state of mind so i can teach my class while enjoying the soft white sand under my feet experience all day outrageous comfort for yourself with dr shoals massaging gel insoles are you gelling i'm glad i have feet This segment of the program is brought to you by MedJet Assist. Unlike other evacuation services, only MedJet Assist lets you decide which hospital will be your final destination. Regardless of the nature of your illness or injury, if you're hospitalized while traveling, they'll be there for you. So take trips, not chances, and visit MedJetAssist.com or go to RudyMaxa.com and look under Radio Sponsors for more info. Rudy Maxi here. While in French Polynesia, I met a naturalist. She's an American young woman named Bobby Joy Vander, uh, Vertigal, excuse me. And uh, I interviewed her on the fan deck of the Paul Gauguin, the cruise ship. And I said to her, Bobby, first convince me I should come here for diving. Absolutely. Well, the job's already done for me in terms of convincing any divers to come here because the reputation already precedes itself as, as one of the great dive locations in the world. So when you come to French Polynesia, uh, there's 118 islands here. So you have... a wide array. There's there's not just one place you can jump in the water. So the first thing we have is is the diversity and the and the choice that you have. Now imagine you jump in the water, the very first thing that you're going to notice is the incredible visibility. I mean this water here just crystal clear blue. It's like swimming in a swimming pool, which already lends itself to great dive conditions. I've actually swum in worse swimming pools in the water here. I mean, <laughs> the water here is so translucent, you could read a book from, you know, that's seven feet under the water. It really is beautiful, and, and that certainly is going to give us a, a great backdrop for, for any dives. Now, uh, you jump in the water, and, and you start paddling around a bit, and, and of course, the first thing that catches your eyes are the, the coral reef fishes that we have here. Very wide diversity, over 450 different types of reef fishes, uh, many of them very colorful. So it fulfills all those images you have when you're a child and, and you saw that uh, painting in the dentist's office, for example, of, of all those beautiful, colorful tropical fishes. You get to meet those that cast of characters in real life now. And I can't believe your dentist had that too. Yeah. It's mine, it's, mine does. it's the standard, I'm telling you. Everyone identifies with that. Or those really cheesy clear shower curtains as well. They often depict many of these beautiful fish. Uh, so it's very rewarding. You instantly start recognizing these these uh, images that have been depicted as really a highlight of, of the underwater life. Now, as you continue your dive, uh, you immerse yourself deeper in the water, you continue on, the visibility remains just unbelievable, and you notice in the distance a sea turtle. 
and we have two common types to see here the green sea turtle and the hawksbill sea turtle and it's just like watching an underwater ballerina they're so graceful as they swim through the water usually very lazily and slow taking their time and if you're patient and and sit still they'll, they'll often stay with you for for quite a while and if you have a, a dive master with you that knows their appropriate food source he might even uh, encourage them to get a little bit closer with a sponge or or uh, another and these are big animal. puppies aren't they oh yeah uh, our greens and hospital uh, we can talk we're talking upwards of uh, four feet maybe for some of the largest whoa yeah so it's it's very uh, overwhelming to see them in the water now another great thing that we have here of course is the sharks that's what everyone wants to see now I've been to other places <laughs> everyone <in the> <laughs> Every, well maybe the scuba divers a little bit more so than than everyone else but uh you know I've been to places in the world where they tell you you know on this dive we might if we're very very lucky we might have the possibility of seeing a shark uh, we don't have to deal with those issues here here in French Polynesia if you go to the right spot you're going to be seeing a shark so that's a huge draw for some people and there are many varieties of sharks here that's what surprised me reading about them yeah up to 20 different kinds uh, you know there's 410 different sharks in the world and there's uh, there's some particular dive spots for example in Taputa Pass in Rangiroa you can have 17 different types of sharks in that single pass in that one spot uh, great diversity and I'm told that they are friendly sharks well <laughs> they are wild animals of course we always have to keep that in mind but uh, sharks have a really bad reputation I think uh, it's starting to change as more people are getting in the water and, and it, having these great experiences uh, we're starting to understand more and more about them but they really don't deserve the the reputation that they get there's really only a very few number of species that, that pose any significant threat towards humans and uh, the ones that you're going to be encountering here in French Polynesia certainly do not fall within that category we have a minute left, uh, Bobby. If you, when you have, you have friends back in the states, I'm sure who say, "Gosh, Bobby, I want to." Sounds great. I want to come see this. How do you tell someone to plan for a dive trip to, to French Polynesia? What? Just give it to me step by step. Uh, well, you definitely don't want to worry about bringing all your own equipment. Most of the places here are going to provide it, and customs getting into French Polynesia can be uh, a little bit tricky. So I, I recommend, unless you really have you know your own specific equipment that you want to use, uh, it's maybe best just to, to use the equipment here. Um, if you have an underwater camera, you're going to have lots of opportunities to use it here. Great photography potential, again, due to that. And there are nonstop flights from Los Angeles, among other places. Yeah, yeah, you can nonstop flight from Los Angeles, and uh, also we have some flights coming in from New Zealand and, and Hawaii. Uh, what else? The, well, I just, it just you just buy a ticket and the infrastructure is here. Whoops. Absolutely. Yeah, lots of dive shops. They're readily available. Uh, you get on any of the island and, and it's going to be very apparent how to and where to book these dives. It's all set up for you. Great infrastructure in place. All right, well, I think you've whetted uh, an appetite. Those are great word pictures. Thanks, Bobby. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Bobby Joy Van de Gaal is a naturalist uh, in French Polynesia. You ought to go see her. Rudy Max's World phone lines are open now, so call us at 800-387-8025. We'll be back after these messages. This segment of Rudy Max's World is brought to you by Service Magic. Now you can hire pre-screened home pros with confidence for repairs, remodeling, plumbing needs, maid services, and so much more. Visit www.homebuild411.servicemagic.com. That's homebuild411.servicemagic.com. 
It's 52 minutes after the hour. I'm Rudy Maxa. You're listening to Rudy Maxa's World. It's your favorite, I hope your favorite, weekend travel show. Uh, a couple housekeeping details. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, my handle is SavTrav. That's short for Savvy Traveler. So it's S-A-V-T-R-A-V, SavTrav. On Twitter, just sign up and uh, join me, and I'll send out some. I, I don't really, I'm not going to bombard you with stuff, but if I see an occasionally in the midweek a great deal or something that I think you might find amusing, uh, I'll send it along. And on Facebook, uh, you'll find two Rudy Maxes. One is called Rudy Maxa TV Show. Go there and join in the conversation. That's the one I pay attention to. I hardly pay attention to my personal one. Rudy Max at TV show. Now, I know you're listening to a radio show, but I also have a TV show, and uh, they didn't give me an option of saying radio show or TV and radio show. So Rudy Max at TV show. Uh, and on Facebook, just search for Rudy Max and two Rudy Maxes will pop up. Choose the one that says TV show. Well, you know, you live long enough, and all these things happen. I, if you wonder how long I've been a travel junkie, I just got an email this weekend that uh, just literally moments ago I clicked on from American Airlines saying, hey, happy 30th anniversary, Rudy. I thought, 30th anniversary of what? Uh, American Airlines uh, says I've been a member of their frequent flyer program for 30 years. This is very distressing to me at the moment. <laughs> I, can't, I mean, I remember when frequent flyer programs were invented. I've got to tell you, not a lot of people signed up in the beginning. They thought they were, uh, they were gimmicks. It was going to be like CB radio, where a few people would do it, and then in two years, nobody would remember it. And I was one of the first guys to sign up, actually. I, I don't even have a letter in my American Advantage number. If you uh, look at yours, you probably do. Mine's just five numerals, six numerals. Uh, uh, at any rate, I did sign up early, and I'm glad I did. I have hundreds of thousands of miles on America now. Anyway, so they sent me this thing. They said, well, in honor of your 30th anniversary, we have a whole month worth of uh, special deals for you if you click here. So I clicked here, and every day for 30 days, they give those of us who have been around for three decades a deal. This Today's deal is uh, for me. This is not for you. It's for me, us 30-year guys. We can join Netflix uh, uh, for 8 bucks a month. And earn three thousand advantage miles. So that's that's what thirty years of service to American Airlines frequent flyer program will get you. An eight dollar membership and three thousand extra advantage miles. Now I did look at some previous deals, and they were you know bonus uh, miles at hotels, save thirty percent on a new Admiral Clubs membership. Blah 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 blah. Anyway, lots of stuff. So yeah, I guess there's some advantage to getting old, but thirty years in a frequent flyer program, my. Goodness, that's just... Uh... At any rate, what we do at the end of the hour, we've got a couple of deals for you. It's time to cue the Deal of the Week ka There it is, Deal of the Week time. Yeah. Well, if you really want to splash out and go down to Miami Beach and live large, check out the Setai. That's S-E-T-A-I. The Setai is one of the most luxurious hotels along South Beach. i got to tell you, it's really expensive. It's like $500 a night. But, you know, we're coming into the off season. Things are getting warmer in the Northeast, and I'm sure they will someday here in Minnesota. Um and so the set eyes offering you a deal. You stay three nights, and you get a fourth on the house. This is good till October 31st. So basically getting a 25% reduction. The set eye on Miami Beach, stay three nights beginning anytime now through October 30th, receive a fourth on the house. Now to that, uh, to whatever price you pay, you're going to have to add 13%. Some blackout dates may apply, and this is based on double occupancy. You can find details on this deal at thesetai.com. S-E-T-A-I. Uh, if you travel with your dog and have an inkling to go up to British Columbia, Vancouver is one very cool city, as you may know if you've been there. This is a 
pooch promotion for you and your dog. It begins June 1st at uh, one of the best bo- boutique hotels in Vancouver. It's called the Loden Hotel, L-O-D-E-N. It's, it's a very swanky place. They've got a summer pooch deal called the VIP package. It stands, of course, for very important pooch. Uh, per night rates begin at $2.99. This is what it includes. King, adop- King accommodations for you, a doggy bed for Fido, overnight parking, pooch welcome amenities, including a premium pet toy, organic treats, a take-home package of poop bags. Now, who wouldn't want that? A $50 gift certificate for grooming service uh, at, a, at a dog grooming service nearby the hotel, and a special turn-down treat, I can only imagine. You also get an in-room personalized door sign. I'm not sure what that is. I'm not sure what that is. You get a doggy food. Your dog gets a food and water bowl with a floor mat. And you get the latest issue of Modern Dog Magazine in case it hasn't dropped in your mailbox yet. You'll also get a dog walking map highlighting leash-free and dog-friendly parks in the hood. And also the location that that store called Bark and Fitz where you can use your $50 gift certificate for grooming for your dog. Now, interestingly, there's no limit to the height of your pet that can stay with you. You can bring in the big boy. You know, back him right up there to the room. Uh, But the hotel requests that you do not leave your pet alone, so take your pet out with you when you leave uh, the Loden. And a guest room cleaning fee will be assessed upon your pet's departure if needed. If your dog's a well-behaved dog, then there won't be any cleaning fee assessed. Um, This promotion begins June 1st. Again, the hotel is the Loden Hotel, L-O-D-E-N. It's a VIP package, which stands for Very Important Pooch. You can find details at theloden.com, theloden.com. That's in Vancouver in British Columbia. So you travel with your dog. There you go. Hey, if your station uh, is leaving us this hour, uh, we'll see you here again next week, I hope. We'll have another uh, fascinating show of interviews, I hope, and travel deals and travel news. If you're sticking around, great. We're going back to French Polynesia for another hour. We're going to talk with the captain of the Paul Gauguin. We're going to talk about black girls in Polynesia. So stay here in Rudy Max's world. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You've been listening to Rudy Max's World, and as always, you're hearing must-hear radio on the SSI Radio Network.